Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Our Culture Gaming. I'm Scott, joined by Josh. Hello, Scott. Josh, my friend, are you one of the three people who bought Forspoken? Sadly not. I am, but to be honest, there's a whole state around that game. A lot of people wondering just what the living hell was up with it. It always felt very hacked to death. A little bit, yeah. By studio folk. Um, and one of the key writers, Gary, or was he? Or was he one we'll of the key see, writers? We'll see, won't we? Hey, let me, hey! Let me tell you, one of the key writers, at least according to accreditation, uh, Gary Whitler was talking to Alana Pierce over on her uh, Writing for Video Games podcast, uh, Video Game Writing 101, um, and just clarified a whole bunch of things about how that game you know, was come to be in, the regards, in regards to his role in it and everything else. Um, just as he hasn't actually played the game. <laughs> but he says that he's only really responsible for the world name um, and goes into the way that the game came together and just said, look, they originally hosted a writing team where Gary Whitter would um, get a whole bunch of different people together that he trusted in terms of being lead creatives, sit in a room, sketch out a whole idea of what this game was going to be. This was years ago. Um, and apparently he was quite confident with that. Um, and the only thing that really carried over from what he can see without playing the game right now is the world name Athia. Because right. after they had that initial idea of what the game was going to be, um, apparently a few months later, Square Enix got in touch and just said, don't want any of that. We don't want any of that whatsoever. The game's actually going to be about um, a girl that's been taken from the real world going through to a fantasy land. None of that was in the original version of the game. That blew my mind. Yeah. That seems so integral to the entire story, right? Which feels like they must have then gone, and at that stage, uh, Witter and the writers that he had at the time just said, well, we, we're not actually working on this anymore because we have other commitments. Um, so best of luck, you know, do whatever you can. But it's worth obviously cementing that that whole idea of what Forspoken is, that main narrative hook, the opening of it, none of that was in the original pitch for the game whatsoever. Um, which is fascinating. Um, so at this point, um, you know, Witter literally says the version that we did was nothing like that. Um, it was at this point where Witter exited the project along with the writers that he had at that point, and it was then when Amy Hennig and Todd Stashwick came in. Right. Um, but according to Witter, like obviously he can't really comment on exactly what they did, but it seems like they came in and left quite quickly. It just the speed that he describes it. Um, it seems like overall, Forspoken was put together by a lot of uh, more contract writers or just people who aren't as big a name as a Gary Witter or Amy Hennig. Um, but obviously in the marketing. And in terms of the, the way that we talk about the game, we think of it as, you know, it's written by them. How the hell is a game so tropey or whatever written by them? It wasn't. Like, that's the thing. And that's like, it's, you can totally see why they would attach those names to this project. Because, I mean, in all of the previews that we did for it, whether mm. it was on news or whether it was on podcasts or whether it was in a list or whatever, we talk about it as, you know, a game written by Gary Witter. Amy mm. Hennig's next game that she's been involved in, you know, after so many years of cancelled projects. We wanted to see <laughs> what these creators did next. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that they weren't actually involved for long at all. It's not necessarily a new story, but when you had, when when the game itself is trading on work that seemingly wasn't that elaborate or wasn't even necessarily used in the case of, you know, Witter's case, uh, it just seems a little bit uh, frustrating as an outsider <laughs> because you're thinking one thing and you're getting delivered 
Another. Yeah, it's worth pointing out because um, Witter says that a lot of the, the approach that Square Enix had in the in, in, you know at the beginning, the idea of getting a bunch of people together, leading a writers' room. This is very very common in film, TV, video games yeah. in the modern day. Um, and assuming that you would then take the best ideas from that and try and run with them, you know, because you have the best people in the room at the beginning. And for whatever reason, um, it was Square Enix's choice a few months after that initial meeting to overhaul everything. Um, it's worth pointing out that the final four writers on Forspoken um, are Todd Stashwick, Alison Reimer, Gary Witter, and Amy Hennig. Um, obviously, Witter is known for Rogue One. He did After Earth, which I imagine there's a future yes. story just like this about to come out with there After Earth. Um, and Hennig obviously did Uncharted and directed a whole bunch of the Legacy of Kane games. So they're major, major names. I think it's interesting talking about how much the marketing can still run with this um, because they get to frame it as, you know, a Gary Whitaker game, the guy from Rogue One. You get to frame it as the next game for the person who did Uncharted. Um, and that couldn't be well necessarily further from the truth. We don't yeah. know how much of Amy Hennig is in the final project uh, product, but it doesn't feel like very much. It feels very generic in the end. 100%. I think I would just go back to what we were saying before in that this isn't like a unique case. This happens True. across all different mediums. Like you mentioned Rogue One there. You know, mm -hmm. Gary Witter did the story for Rogue One but didn't write the screenplay, but still a lot of the screenplay elements <laughs> the screenplay elements are attributed to him and his yep. writing. And it's like there are a lot of people on this project. There are a lot of people on every project that come in, change things, redraft things in this, this really kind of granular, iterative process. I think it's interesting here because we had a game last year, a little game called Elden Ring, <laughs> that actually did something very similar, Diddly. but did it well. You know, yes. that was billed as a collaboration between George R. R. Martin, obviously famous for the Game of Thrones book, uh, Song of Ice and Fire, that entire series. Uh, he was credited as coming in to do the story on this new game, mm. and that was true. He definitely did work in it. He came in to, you know, to develop the law, you know, establish some of the characters and the names and the places and whatnot, mm. but ultimately it's a From Software story who wrote the quote-unquote screenplay, for lack of a better term, mm -hmm. for that game, really fleshed it out, yet it was still billed as a George R.R. Martin kind of project. The thing is, is like, overall, it's like, trust your creatives. Like, I mean, obviously, we're not, we're not involved in it. We can't literally give first-hand knowledge of exactly how the processes went down, but when you compare them based on the knowledge that we have, um, in Elden Ring's case and From Software's case, you have Hidetaka Miyazaki and George R.R. Martin having a sit-down years ago about what this new world might be, um, George Martin sketching all that stuff out in terms of the world elements, assumedly in regards to the character names as well, and however that went in regards to the lore stuff, in the broadest terms. Yeah. And then over the next few years, From Software, Miyazaki, that team, fleshed all that stuff out. Square Enix felt like they started in the same way, where they had a team of creatives together, a whole bunch of people fleshing out a lore, and then just months later, for whatever reason, probably test audience data, probably assumptions as to MCU-style comedy that we can put in there, or whatever, they just gutted that whole thing. Yes. And then it's that whole standard thing that we get in a lot of gaming of just big business knows better. This is what's going to sell, this is what's going to work, put a loot system in it, etc. And I just feel like, ultimately it's endemic of everything else, but the steps to get there are almost more tragic, because you could have had a really yeah. good game here. Uh, that would have been more confidently executed in the first Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. I mean, look, you've played the game and I have, so I'm not going to pass judgment on its quality. But from what you have told me and from the reviews that I've read, mm -hmm. it seems like Forspoken is a game that isn't, you know, an outright disaster, but mm -hmm. is focus tested from the ground up, not yeah. just in terms of the story, but in terms of the mechanics, in terms of the open world design, mm -hmm. even in terms of the visuals to a certain extent. It just, like, it falls the F down. Like, yeah. I love the intro of that game. I just think the, in the opening is really, really good. I actually quite like Freya overall as a character. I like that she's quite challenging. I like how much she isn't a standard protagonist even though the clip that went viral is the most MCU style clip possible and um, the whole idea, I just do that with my freaking mind. Like there's all that stuff, but I think the intro actually sets up why she would be overjoyed at that point and why she's quite goofy, like at the heart. Who cares at this point because like four people played it, but still, um, I feel like the opening is one of the most confident parts there, but once you get to the open world and then all the tropes come in and then it's just like, it just falls apart. Even the writing really falls down um, and it completely lost me. And I was actually at the beginning going like, oh, maybe this actually is okay. Right. It's not, it gets drastically worse. Um, the more you play, but I, I, do, I think it's worth in the in human history saying that the beginning of Forspoken is okay, <laughs> but the rest of it's really bad after that. I, that's interesting, right? Because a lot of things that I've read have said kind of the opposite, Scott Telford, <laughs> that it starts bad and gets better, but I must admit, I have watched like a little playthrough of the first hour, and it was more developed than I was expecting, mm. you know, with her story, you know, really diving into how she's in this situation, you know, losing her, her home sets on fire, she's in court, you know, she's in real dire straits, Mm. and she's transported to this new universe. Mm. That, to me, I was watching it thinking, I could go for this. Yes. And then I was watching gameplay from later on when it was just, you know, open world 101, yep. uh, classic Square Enix stuff, and I thought, I, I, I can't go for that. I can't go for that bit. So it's 
I'll like, give that to someone. The else. story itself has taken a kicking, obviously, yep. but you know, you were saying, like you said, you know, like the characterization is there. Maybe I like given it. a little bit more. Hasn't been given enough credit to a certain extent. Yeah, which is interesting because obviously Witter says that the whole idea of a character <laughs> coming from the real world and going to the fantasy land wasn't part of their initial pitch. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of elements of Frey that do feel algorithmically generated. It's almost like if you fed Chat GPT a modern character in a film, <laughs> you would get a character like this. Um, so it's not that far off. I just think, and I'm only talking about the beats of the story. It's not that every every single word she says is perfect or anything, but I do like the character motivation at the beginning. That's largely the only thing I'm hanging positivity on. Yeah. The rest of it is generic as hell. I, but still. I think it's fascinating, like, what this. Well, obviously, we already know about how video games are developed and mm. how many changes they go through, but there are so many games that have come out that have been, you know, mediocre or even outright bad yeah. that have had incredible first pitches. And, you know, you were mentioning there about trusting your creatives. You really recently played Dead Space 3. Yes. And the original's pitch for Dead Space 3 is incredible. You know, mm. that was always going to be like this co-op shooter, but the original um, kind of approach to horror in a co-op space was to give each player kind of like their own unique perspective. So player one would see things that player two didn't. Like hallucinations. To, yeah, like there. they're hallucinating. They're hallucinating, you know, corpses like being well, dragged down, you know, hallways. Enemy placement is a little bit different to kind of like sow distrust. And that is better present in the final game because it feels like any creative idea has just been smoothed over again for a more focused tested experience and there are so many examples like Forspoken, and so many examples like Dead Space 3 where the game itself didn't have to be as bland as it ultimately yep. turned out to be and I always think that's a shame but it makes these stories really fascinating to figure out what the original vision was and how that was warped and transformed as the years went on. That's the thing is that if you take these projects and I, we're always fascinated by them like you know you've played, played through Devil May Cry 2 recently yeah. and it's always interesting and go into a game that was just known as an absolute tire fire and be like, okay, what were they going for? What landed? Can you see the bits where the studio interference happened? Can you see the bits where the mass market approach came in? Obviously, that's everywhere all over Forspoken. And in terms of Dead Space 3, the opening of that game is single-handedly one of the worst things you could ever play. Yeah. It feels like, again, it feels like ChatGPT made a game. Um, and <laughs> it's the most generic thing possible. Um, but I always think it's fascinating looking at, doing the autopsy on these games and be like, okay, what were they trying to do? Where did they go wrong? Can we learn from this uh, going forward? Because I think that Square Enix will learn the wrong lessons from this. Yeah, um, yes. I just think they'll go like, oh, well, no one wants a new IP. No one wants new characters. No one wants anything other than a franchise. And let's just double down on franchise stuff again, um, which I really hope isn't the case. I just feel like all of the times they've tried with new IP, whether it be The Quiet Man yeah. or this, they've so backfired. They're just backfired in their own face at this point, And it's ridiculous. Like, try some, do better. <laughs> Stop think, trying to do studio mandates I think you were mentioning again on the What Culture Gaming podcast by the Go way, subscribe. Which you should check out three times a week. Uh, you were mentioning about, mentioning that you know even though we have new IP these yes. days like Forspoken, mm. it doesn't feel new because mm. the foundations that they're built off, you know, like the open world mechanics, the systems, the style of writing, are all so familiar that it might yeah. as well not be a new IP. It might as well just be a continuation of a franchise that we already know because the approach to the development of these games is so homogenous that you know, like you said, they probably will learn the wrong lessons that people don't want UIP when people just don't want this homogenous <laughs> approach to game design. That's the real issue here. I would like I, I would like some sort of interview with one of the, the hashtag bigwigs just to sort of say, like, what, how are they... Because I get why they're defending this. They're just saying, like, well, we're putting so much money into it. It needs to make a certain return. We need to do the most safe and bankable mechanics because that's the only way that we can do these things at this scale. And obviously the argument is, well, you don't need to do them at that scale. Yes. You can build up. You can do something else. You can test a game mechanic. You can do something smaller and get there more naturally and build a community over time. Do some, I always keep going to Sifu. Sifu's a great <laughs> example of something that is so mechanically tight and has the, the right level, the right balance of gameplay, story, narrative, whatever you can get lost in 
it if you want, but it's very gameplay forward. And I feel like that's just, I don't know, I always think of that as like, if, you, if Square Enix just did a Sifu, then, then they can build it up and you can do your big forespoken thing. Um, and I feel like the next one of these is maybe going to be Suicide Squad, where we're leading with uh, mm. six different pre premium currencies and all that kind of stuff. And I just feel like people are tired. They don't want to go into this big old thing straight away. Not that Forspoken has a whole bunch of monetizable elements, yeah. but it still feels like the genericism of it just overrides everything anyway. I think it's funny in Square Enix's case because, mm. you know, if we look at their more Western titles, you know, like Tomb Raider or Hitman or whatever, mm. that they now no longer have, it's funny <laughs> that some of the best games that they've released came in under expectations and they immediately just canned them, you know, yeah. Deus Ex, no good. <laughs> Tomb Raider, get out of here. Out Hitman, here. we don't want you anymore. <laughs> and like, those are the best games they've released in years. It's not The Quiet Man. It's not uh, Forspoken, no. like we just mentioned. Yes, they are still making, you know, good games from the Japanese perspective with Final Fantasy 7 and the upcoming Final Fantasy 16 looks absolutely lush, but Babylon's Fall ain't it. Oh my god, Babylon's Fall. ain't it, you know what I mean? And it's just, <laughs> it's so annoying to see them learn, like you said, mm. the wrong lessons from these so-called mistakes. Well, that's the thing, for the rest of this year, we have Final Fantasy 16, we have Final Fantasy 7, uh, whatever the hell part 2 is called, into something. No, that was the no, other one. No, that was the other one. Uh, early, early in the morning, yes, yeah, maybe early. Yeah. And we have them, so we have, you know, safe bets on there, and their docket sheet as to how they think the year is going to play out. But I wonder about the rest of the generation. I wonder if they do this again. Um, if they do a new IP from scratch and they get... Because it, it, it says they got in touch with him to say, like, you know, can you plan this from scratch? Do they do, do this again or do they try and do a new thing that's attached to a project? Something like Final Fantasy uh, Stranger of Paradise felt like it could have been its own thing, just bolted onto the, the Final Fantasy IP. And that was received a lot better than Forspoken was. But at least the core gameplay was better. So there is that. Um, but yes, let us know what you think down in the comments below. Let me know, or if let us know if you were any of the people who bought Forspoken and what you think of it overall. For now, I've been Scott from Culture.com. I've been Josh from Culture.com. And we'll catch you next game. Bye. Goodbye. Catch you next disaster. Very good. Keep Bye. going. Keep going. It's horrible. <laughs> Disasters. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.